Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. You know, I saw um, a commercial the other day. I was flipping through the channel and I stopped and I was so appalled by it. I had to rewind it and uh, see if I heard right. And I think it was a health commercial. I, I'm not really sure. But it started with the words, the body that you are randomly assigned at birth. And, and so I, re, I was like, what? And so it said, the body you are randomly assigned at birth. And I thought, man, what a lie. What a lie. There is nothing random about you. Even, even the way that you're wired, the way you're wired. Uh, from your personality to your giftings to your callings. Um, it's not an accident. And so you weren't randomly assigned a body at birth. You were intricately knit in your mother's womb. In fact, it says in Acts that God uh, ordained the times in which we would be here and when we would be here, which means that we are all in Valdosta, Georgia, in 2021 for purpose, Right? Um, so we're not here because of a random event, but because God in his goodness and his wisdom knew you would be needed for a world in confusion and chaos. And he knew that we all would be needed now for a world desperate for solution, desperate for hope, desperate for Jesus. Which means there's nothing random about you. I know that sounds so simple, but I felt like we just need to hear that. There's nothing random about you. God was not confused when he made you. We may be confused. The world is confused. The, the writer of that commercial is confused. But God was not confused when he made you. And so I just want us to lean in and hear me tonight. Even though it's elementary, your life is a big deal. And it needs to be lived really well. And it can be lived really well. Because we've, we've only got one shot at this. Right? Amen? Yeah. So tonight I want to continue our series that we're on. And I, uh, I think I'm going to talk about Gideon. So this will be titled Beyond Gideon or, or Beyond Our Feelings. I was thinking in the Old Testament, you know, there were some kings. And they would go in and they would tear down the high places. So uh, the places of idol worship, everybody with me? You, And so they tear down those places where they sacrifice their children to gods of Baal and Molech. And they would go in and they would tear down the places of idol worship in the Old Testament. And I heard this quote and it floored me this year. I heard a pastor say, the greatest high place in the American church is our feelings. The greatest high place in the American church is our feelings. Now, I listen to feelings all day. That's what people come to see me. That's, that's what we talk about in sessions. So uh, your feelings are not bad. God gave you your emotions, right? But when we take those feelings and we exalt them above the word of the Lord, then it becomes out of order. It becomes dysfunctional. Ultimately, it can become an idol. So I want to turn to Psalms 135, and I'm going to start. I think this is New King James Version. 
And that reads, The idols of the nations are silver and gold. Maybe back it, back it up. The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouths. Those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. And when we begin to trust our feelings instead of the word of God, instead of going to the word, that's probably the very definition of deception, uh, those feelings become a high place. Those feelings become security. That, that's how we get the, um, the comment. You'll hear somebody say, I have a right to feel this way. And so tonight I want to talk to you about tearing down the high places in ourselves and in our homes and inviting the Holy Spirit into our feelings, which would really be our minds because that's where they start. And in a lot of ways, I think this is just a call to maturity, a call to courage, a call to identity, a call to reign, everything that we've already been talking about this year already. You know, I heard about Sunday service. I was back with the kids, and Megan said that it was so powerful. And every person that came up, and she said there was such a thread between all of the testimonies in that at some point they had to lay down their feelings and fix their eyes on Jesus and stand on the word of the Lord. I want to read Psalms 135 in the Passion, and that reads, Blind men can only create blind things. And I wonder how often we look to blind men. Those deaf to God can only make a deaf image. Dead men can only create dead idols. And everyone who trusts in these powerless dead things will be just like what they worship, powerless and dead. It seems we look often to the blind to tell us what to think about life, to tell us how we should live. It seems like we look to, uh, to a TV show to tell us what a home should look like or what a marriage should look like or what parenting should look like, right? I don't know if you read give, uh, Dutch Sheets Given 15. Does anybody read that every day, that devotion? Uh, we got a few. So he put this on here, and uh, I wanted to read you that too because he said, In the devotion today, he talked about the government believes it has the right to determine when life begins, who and what defines gender, who defines marriage, what is and what is not immoral, when churches, I mean, it's a long list right here. And so I just came to say tonight, it is time for us to stop looking to the blind to lead us. It's time for the church to stop looking to the blind to lead us. And each moment, each day, you're either living in a culture of truth or a culture of feelings. There's no middle ground with that. There's the kingdom of light and there's the kingdom of darkness. And at any given time, one of those two is flowing through you, through your life, through your mind, through your thoughts, through your responses. Culture of feelings, culture of truth. And this is so stirred up within me because I 
believe with all my heart that God is looking for a healthy church, for healthy families and healthy homes. The most attractive thing on the planet is a healthy family. And our churches will only be as healthy as our families. And in a lot of ways, healthy family begins when we go beyond our feelings. Because that's where legacy starts. So tonight, beyond Gideon. All right, I'm going to get there. Gideon's mentioned in Hebrews 11, and it says there's not enough time to tell you about Gideon. And then it lists other people. But we find his story in Judges 6. And I love the book of Judges. I don't know, that may be weird, but both of my kids' names come from Judges. Um, Garrison's middle name is Ehud. If you don't know that story, you could look that up. And then, of course, J.L. And I heard a quote a few years back that said, God is looking for women to drive a tent peg of truth into the mindset of an entire generation. And so I named them after warriors. Our, our third child, we've decided, will be named uh, Shalom or peaceful sleepy one <laughs> um, because we're just not going to go down that road again. Uh, but... Through Judges, there's just a theme, and the, it, the theme is this. Israelites did evil. They were oppressed. They cried out to the Lord, and then the Lord sends them a champion deliverer. And that's really the story on repeat throughout Judges. And we find in Judges 6, it's really tragic and sad that whenever the Israelites planted crops, before they could reap the harvest, the Midianites would invade the land, they'd destroy their crops, and they'd leave them with nothing to live on. And I wonder how many of our lives or our families look like that today, where we can't seem to get ahead, or we take a step forward and then we get knocked back, or there's no hope, or we can't get breakthrough, or we're in just these cycles of defeat or oppression. That was them. And so in Judges 6, we find Gideon secretly threshing wheat in a wine press so that the Midianites wouldn't see him. And I'm not going to go over this whole story. It's just long. I think I'm just going to pull out maybe two things from it. So you'll, you may want to read it later. But in Judges 6, he's secretly threshing wheat. And I'm going to start with the angel of the Lord coming to and And I am reading from the Passion. And so, I think it's verse 4. All right. So, it, I think it's 12. Yeah, I'll start at 12. Yahweh's angel suddenly appeared to Gideon and said, The Lord's presence goes with you, man of fearless courage. Me? Gideon replied. But, sir, if the Lord is truly with us, why have all these troubles come to us? Where are all his miracle wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, Did not the Lord deliver us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us under the power of the Midianites. He encountered the word of the Lord here. And his initial response, out of his feelings, was to complain. Which complaining then leads, it will always lead to blame, right? Which we see that here too, when... Gideon says, you've abandoned us. And so what's interesting to me is that we see even an encounter, it's possible to take your feelings and exalt them over what the Lord is saying. And ultimately, we find that God was going to do in Gideon what Gideon was doing to that wheat. 
And so he was beating it down and threshing it, and he was separating the worthless stuff from the real stuff. And so God was calling out destiny, but first he had to separate all the unbelief, all Gideon's feelings of not believing God was good or that God would do what he said he would do, or Gideon's feelings in thinking that he was inadequate, that he was not enough. And so Judges ends with a sad verse that says, in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And it could have read, everyone just did what they felt like doing. And so often we look at the external and we demand our external world change. Right? So Gideon said, God, where are your miracles? We demand that others around us change. They need to change. My family needs to change. God needs to change or at least do something. My spouse needs to change. The people I work with need to change. And we say this with little or no thought about what's going on inside of us. Gideon said, where are your miracles? I haven't seen any. So Gideon is the product of a family line with a lens far from God. A lens really of hiding, of not confronting of fear. I wonder if Gideon's response would have been different if he had read Deuteronomy 11.8. I wonder, let me read that to you. I just have that right here. It says, therefore, you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. That's all the time. And you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates, that your days and the days of your children may, may be multiplied in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, like the days of the heavens above the earth. And I wonder if his response would have been different if his father would have said to him, Hey, Gideon, get ready. God's faithful. Get ready. He's going to deliver us. Get ready. Nothing's impossible with God. Instead, we read later that Gideon's father had an altar to Baal. And so in verse 14, it says, Then the Lord himself faced Gideon directly and said, Am I not sending you? With my presence, you have all you need. Go in the strength that you now have and rescue Israel from Midian's power. And Gideon said to him, but Lord, how could I ever rescue Israel of all the thousands in Manasseh? My clan is the weakest and I'm the least qualified in my family. And the Lord replied, my presence and my power will be with you. Believe me, Gideon, you will crush the Midianites as easily as if they were only one man. Which I love that. That's a, a word for somebody uh, tonight. Go in the strength that you now have. So you don't have to qualify. God will equip you. He is already placed within you everything that you need. And then the next few verses, we find Gideon asking for a sign, asking for confirmation, really, because of how he felt, because of his feelings, which makes sense, because Gideon hadn't been taught that God's word will never fail. Not one word from God is empty of power. And so tonight, I'm not saying that your feelings are not important. But when they are exalted over the word of the Lord, it becomes dangerous. And it gets harder and harder to divide the truth from a lie. And that can rob you of your destiny. And then ultimately, when we keep those things, when we keep those feelings in our heart that are contrary to the word of God, 
what we're really doing is we're exalting those things above God and we're saying, ah, that's too much for you. That's too big for you to do, God. That battle is too much for you to win. That pain is too much for you to heal. And if you read on Gideon asks for signs and confirmation because he doesn't believe that he's enough. And God is so kind with him. And so in Judges 6.25, it reads, That night the Lord spoke to Gideon and said, which I love this because encounter will lead to assignment. So he encounters God and God says, Take your father's bull and the second bull that is seven years old and go and demolish your father's altar to Baal and cut down the tree of the goddess Asherah, which is beside it, and in their place on top of the stronghold, build a well-constructed altar to the Lord your God. Use the Asherah tree you have cut down for firewood. Then take the second bull and burn it whole as an offering. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did what Yahweh had told him because he feared both his family and the men of the town. He did it at night rather than in the daytime. So Gideon encountered God. God encounter will always lead to assignment. That's why you'll never find your purpose in the presence of people. You will find your purpose in the presence of Jesus. And I love this part because Gideon's assignment begins at home. He had to tear down the altar of Baal, his father's altar to Baal. He had to break the dysfunction in his family, really the demonic ideology in his family, the stronghold in his family before he could break the stronghold in his nation. And feelings left unchecked can become strongholds in our minds, patterns of thought, like a truck that gets stuck in the ruts and it's just spinning out. Uh, that's how I explain it sometimes in session, are these patterns of thinking that eventually they just get deeper and deeper so they become our natural way of thought, of seeing the world around you. And you see this with Gideon where he says, my, my clan's the weakest, I'm, I'm the least qualified. So those are patterns of thinking ingrained in Gideon that God in his kindness has to deal with. Amen? Those are patterns of thought that are opposite, in opposition to kingdom thinking. And those thought patterns can even be passed down in our families. They don't just affect us. They affect everyone around us. And if they're not dealt with, those that follow after us. And so I know some of you have heard me read this poem. It's one of my favorite poems. I preached on it Saturday night. I'm going to read it again. If you heard it, there's always something new you can get. So um, it's, it's about a cow. And it's called The Calf Path. So y'all with me? We're going to go from Gideon to a cow. Okay. All right, here we go. One day through the primeval wood, a calf walked home as good calves should, but made a trail all bent askew, a crooked trail as all calves do. Since then, 300 years have fled, and I infer the calf is dead. Everybody with me? But still he left behind his trail, and thereby hangs my moral tale. The trail was taken up next day by a lone dog that passed that way. And then a wise bellwether sheep pursued the trail or vale and steep, and drew the flock behind him too, as good bellwethers always do. And from that day, or hill and glade, through those old woods a path was made. 
So we've got the cow making this crooked path. Are y'all with me? And then comes a, Gavin? <laughs> and then comes a dog. And then comes a sheep, right? Everybody with me? I wonder about those, uh, our own paths in our lives that we followed blindly. So generational paths, worldly paths, religious paths, paths of dysfunction, paths of pain. How often do we follow the path that our parents followed and their parents before then? And it seems like sometimes we parent from those paths. But Gideon's path was to hide. That's what they did. They hid out. They hid out from the Midianites, and they allowed the harvest. They allowed their inheritance. They allowed their um, livelihood to be stolen, to be taken. It goes on to read, And many men wound in and out and dodged and turned and bent about and uttered words of righteous wrath because it was such a crooked path. But still they followed, do not laugh, the first migrations of that calf. And through this winding woodway stalked because he wobbled when he walked. This forest path became a lane that bent and turned and turned again. This crooked lane became a road where many a poor horse with his load toiled on beneath the burning sun and traveled some three miles in one. And thus a century and a half, they trod the footsteps of that calf. This is such a picture of those generational paths. The years passed on in swiftness fleet. The road became a village street. And this, before men were aware, a city's crowded thoroughfare. And soon the central street was this of a renowned metropolis. And men two centuries and a half trod in the footsteps of that cow. I'm almost done reading about a cow. Each day a hundred thousand route followed the zigzag calf about, and o'er his crooked journey went the traffic of a continent. You know, we get to decide in each moment in the routine, in our interactions, in our relationships, if it's going to be a crooked path, if it's going to be a jacked up path, if it's going to be a roller coaster path led by our our emotions, or if it's going to be what I call a God path, a path of allowing Holy Spirit to lead you, a path of confronting whatever needs to be confronted to be whole and healthy and well, a path of believing the report of the Lord over how I feel or over what I see. You know, we were celebrating my grandparents' uh, 60th anniversary a few months back. I shared this at the conference. Um, but we were around the table, and a lot of you know about our family birthday tradition. We, we do it with anniversaries, too. So we just sit around the table, and we were sharing uh, what we admire about them, their God-given qualities and gifts and what we're thankful for and what we see in them. And we got through, and my grandpa was just sitting there, and he began to tell us a story that I had not heard before that absolutely floored me. And he said that when he, when my dad was a, a little baby, my grandma needed milk, and they didn't have much then. And so she asked him after work if he would go with his paycheck to buy milk. And he said, he was just telling us just so casually at the table, he said that after work, instead he went to a bar, and he gambled all his paycheck away. 
And we were like, who are you? <laughs> and he said he was so ashamed and so um, distraught that he went back, rushed back home, and he begged my grandma to forgive him. And he said he was so sorry that would never happen again. And I think from that day forward, he actually gave his paycheck to her. <laughs> and they laughed about that. But I sat listening to him and, and thought about how in that moment, in that decision, he stepped off a path. A path that no doubt had been modeled for him by his own father. And I'm sure it didn't feel like it at the time. I'm sure it wasn't anything significant that he thought this is such a, this is a great profound moment. I'm sure it didn't feel like that. I'm sure he felt like a failure. But I'm convinced that that one decision and the thousands of little ones after that changed the trajectory of our family for generations. He tore down the altar of dysfunctional family and he built a new one of repentance. And later on, he'd build one of generosity. And he'd build one of faith. Gideon's decision did the same thing here. The path that you're on today has the potential to transform your family line for generations. To change the culture of your home. To change the culture of your marriage. To change the culture of your community. And we're not going to stop there because it says God has promised us nations. And so the path that you're on today has the potential to transform a continent, but you have to see that and live that and believe the report of the Lord. A hundred thousand men were led by one calf near three centuries dead. They followed still his crooked way and lost 100 years a day, for thus such reverence is lent to well-established precedent. For men are prone to go it blind along the calf paths of the mind. You know, when Gideon tears down his father's altar, he wasn't just taking a stand against culture. He was stepping off a path, and he was taking back what the enemy had stolen from him and his family. He was taking back inheritance and promise. And when he stepped off, uh, this wasn't a little thing. They could have killed him for this, but he was learning, like we were talking about, to be a part of the process and to believe the report of the Lord. What paths have we followed blindly that are not God paths? What well-established precedent have we believed that's opposite of God's heart for us that we need to tear down? What lies have we believed about ourselves and those around us and we've allowed our feelings to dictate how we'll live? And what pain have we accepted as final in our lives and our families and we've allowed our territory and our inheritance and our breakthrough to be taken from us? It's time for us to stop looking to the blind to lead us. And so one thing's for sure, your path is not just about you. There's a lot more at stake than just your job and your future and your life and your home. People need you. They need you to be who God's called you to be. Your family needs you to be who God's called you to be. And family is God's idea. It's not a man-made thing. God established family at the very beginning. I know Father's Day was Sunday, and there's this story I love about elephants. So we're going to go from Gideon to cows to elephants tonight, if that's okay. 
Just go with it. <laughs> Gavin, I know. I'm so sorry. Oh, a favorite story, true story. This happened a few years back. So at Kruger National Park in South Africa, they had a problem with the elephants, uh, overpopulation of elephants, and they needed to get some of the elephants out of there So, um, because there were too many. And so what they were going to do is they were going to transport them to another game preserve in Africa, all right? So um, they had these harnesses with, I think, helicopters. I probably should have read the article. I have it. It's called Of Elephants and Men. And so they had these harnesses, and they, would, they were going to pick up the elephants and take them to the game preserve. And when they uh, started to do it, they could not pick up the daddy elephants, the, the bull elephants, okay? Couldn't do it. Harnesses weren't big enough. And so instead, they took the young male elephants uh, to the other game preserve. All right, y'all with me? And sometime later, at that other game preserve they started seeing all these problems. So they would see rhinoceroses um, gorged to death. They were seeing a lot of strange stuff, bizarre stuff. And they thought at first it was poachers, uh, but they didn't take the horn and they um, didn't understand what was going on, so they set up cameras. And what they saw The rhinos appeared to be killed violently with deep puncture wounds. And so what they saw was the juvenile elephants had started terrorizing other animals in the park, chasing the rhinos, knocking them down, stomping and gorging them to death. And so they had a theory. They're like, "We've okay, so let's do this a little different. And they rigged the harnesses differently. And they took the daddy bull elephants and they placed them in that game preserve with the babe, the juvenile elephants. And within two weeks, it stopped. Their behavior stopped. Do you know why? Because it was being modeled by that daddy elephant. Oh, no, no, this is how. This is how we act. You know, those ele- the young male elephants remind me of judges. In that time, Israel had no king. Everybody did what they felt like doing. Man, people need you. They, our world is in desperate need of fathers, of mothers, of healthy family. And it's time for our families to heal. Actually, our families have to heal before a nation can. And that's what's happening with Gideon. And so we read on uh, in verse 34, the Holy Spirit empowers Gideon. I love the verse in John that says, for God does not give the spirit by measure. We sing that in our home all the time, which means that we can live in overflow. We can live in fullness every day, that our lives, they were made for breakthrough. And if you read on, Gideon continues to ask for proof, and God in his kindness and goodness continues to give him proof and reminds him of victory. I love, too, that Gideon's name means warrior. It means one who cuts down uh, or to cut down trees or to cut in two. And we find embedded in his name is his identity, is his destiny. And also a variant form of his name is used in 
Deuteronomy and Chronicles and Ezekiel when people go in and they cut down the idols. For far too long, the body's been silent when we've had the answers. We've had the solutions, but we haven't applied them and we haven't lived them because we've lived in a culture of feelings. And, and we've asked people, well, how do you feel about that? And then they say, oh, it's not good, it's bad, it's bad. How do you feel? And we've picked up the phone instead of picking up our Bibles, and we've said, oh, what do I do? This is so bad. And we have beliefs created out of opinion and experiences. And there are no victims in the kingdom. If you are feeling sorry for yourself, you're fighting the wrong battle here. We've got to be able to shut down the lies and walk in the authority and power that Jesus has already given us and declare the word of the Lord. And so in our home, you know, JL comes to me often and she says, you know, I have a feeling to share with you. And usually that means it's not good. You know, mommy's done something wrong and we need to talk about it. She says, I have a feeling to share, but I want it to be safe. I want, you know, I preach about connection, uh, connected. But the first question I ask her before I hear it is, well, is it, is it true or is it a lie? Because that has to be established first so that then we'll know what to do with it. All right, the end of chapter 7, they defeat the Midianites with sound. I love this. I'm not going to read it tonight because of time. But we talked last week about how faith has a sound. And there's a new sound rising from the earth. It's a sound of health. It's a sound that says, God, you have my full attention. I'm going to do whatever it takes to be whole and well. Uh, tearing down those high places in our heart, those feelings that have become idols. Uh, there's a people that are standing and saying, if it's the report of the Lord, I'm going to walk in it regardless. I'm going to walk in it regardless of what I see. I'm going to walk in it regardless of how I feel. I'm going to walk in it regardless of what I have. I'm going to believe the report. And the report of the Lord for Gideon was victory. And we see the word of the Lord come to fulfillment, as it always will, in Judges 8.28, which reads, So Israel defeated Midian, who never troubled them again. Today know that you have the report of the Lord. And when the body begins to operate in that truth, when we begin to live in that full authority and power that we've been given by King Jesus, in a culture of truth and not a culture of feelings, when we believe the report of the Lord, we will finish all the assignments and all the callings he's placed on our life to finish with great boldness and faith. Gideon built an altar to God in the very place of the sins of his father, in the very place of darkness and dysfunction. Right there, he built an altar, and he altered a nation. You can too. We can too. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.